Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Coastline Covenant podcast. This week is really, really fun. Sean and I sit down and we talk about the philosophy of creating teaching series because we at Coastline are starting a brand new one called The Greatest Thing, where we are looking at the Shema and Jesus's words about the most important thing, which is to love the Lord God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So we talk a lot about how to create a teaching series, some ideas we have in the future, and then why you should be really excited about this one in particular. Sean and I talk a lot just in general, and so to put two mics in front of us and to record it makes a really fun experience. So hope you enjoy this podcast and make sure you get your questions in for the Q&A podcast. Send a question to hbabcock at coastline.family with the subject line, I have a question for the podcast, and you will automatically be entered to win Tim Mori's book, how to plant a church or planting a church without losing your soul, excuse me. And we will have that episode out later this summer. We have some really, really good questions uh, and we're going to have a good time answering them as a team. Hope you enjoyed this podcast and uh, we'll see you next week and every week after that. Hello and welcome to another episode. I'm really excited about this one. A couple of weeks back, had Garrick on to talk about like his process of prepping a sermon and preaching, and mm-hmm. Sean is here with me. Uh, and you have worked with Garrick longer than anybody, and yeah. so I thought it was really funny to get him on and talk about his prep process. Have Could, you have you put that one public? Yeah, yet? it's out. Yeah, it's how out. have I missed it? I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, but, I know Garrick's process. Yeah, I know you don't need to listen to it. You know his process. It's yeah. it's so funny, and so um, I really like kind of peeling the curtain back a little mm-hmm. bit. And and I think as we plant the church and we want to be fully family mm-hmm. to let the family in on how we do business, I yeah. think is really cool. Um, and so we have a unique thing happening at Coastline soon, and that's that we're t- starting a new teaching series. Yeah. And so we've been in foundations where mm-hmm. we've been talking about what makes Coastline Coastline. Mm-hmm. But now we're moving away from that and we're starting a new teaching series. And so we're going to kind of plug that and talk about that a little bit. But I want to get into process. And you've been a pastor for a long time and Mm -hmm. developing teaching series, I think, something that a lot of pastors do and it takes Mm -hmm. up a lot of time. So I can imagine there's someone out there. We start a new teaching series and they're like, wait, how do we how do we get here? How do we start this? What? Why this? And so I just wanted to talk to you about that. Um, So the first question I have is, do you remember your favorite teaching series you've ever done and your least favorite teaching series you've ever done? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, this is going to surprise people. The favorite teaching series I've ever done was the one that we did in January of 2020, probably on gender at Rolling Hills Covenant, because it was the most challenging sermon series I've ever done on the most volatile topic that had the biggest chance to upset people. And yet, I really believe there's a way to do it better. Mm. And it took the most in-depth study and it took the most intentional, soft-hearted preaching that I could do to try to communicate it. So for me, it was the most stimulating. It was the most challenging um, uh, thing that I've ever done. So for me, that was personally um, rewarding mm-hmm. and personally meaningful. Generally, there's a type of sermon series that I hate, and that's topical, Yeah. Right? So um, what I really prefer is to get into a book of the Bible and work our way through it. When we begin talking about, um, like, like what we've been doing with foundations is a real challenge for me. Like now we're <laughs> going to talk about being family. Now we're going to talk about being spirit. Because there's a million passages that you can go to. There's a million passages that you feel like you have to cover when you preach those things. So for me, not being able to focus really tightly on one passage makes it challenging. And I just, 
And, and, and you know me. Like, I love to do the biblical context. I love to try to help people understand what's happening. And you don't get to do that with the topical. So hmm. that's always been the challenge. Those are not the sermons that I really enjoy. Yeah. And or I should say, those ones are hard for They're me. harder for you. And I would, I, there's maybe a podcast down the road where we all talk about yeah. how we preach those sermons. But I think Garrick honestly nails those. Yeah. Like, that's like his wheelhouse. Like, Garrick would prefer to be doing stuff like that probably more than what I love to do. And that just makes it, I think, our, our system great mm-hmm. is that we're passionate about preaching in different ways and that really helps stretch the congregation in different ways yeah you don't get the same thing that's great and i think that's a mm-hmm. huge appeal of coastline there's mm-hmm. diverse voices not only talked about but literally on stage yeah and preaching yeah. uh so the idea of like a topical sermon series mm-hmm. i think is like really comfortable for, yeah. for a lot of people uh yeah. how often are you you know reading the headlines or talking to people in the congregation and thinking man we really need to talk about X, money, sex, uh, politics, Yeah, re- you know, how often are you having that conversation internally or how do you tune that out and just say, we're preaching what I think we need to preach? Yeah, honestly, it's like when the headlines get going, the challenge with it is that you just don't have enough time to really deeply think about something before you have to speak about it, right? right? Yeah. So, um, like, like a, a big thing recently has been like Christianity and politics and culture and stuff like that. Like if we did a sermon series right now, I'm just not sure I could do the work of depth of thought that mm-hmm. I would want to do. And it comes up usually out of nowhere. Like there's a moment that happens. Right, that's good. You can do a sermon to address a topic, but a whole series is really challenging to do. What is... Um, it's a little bit easier to look at the calendar and say, we're going to need a series yeah. for the fall and for the winter, and then you start to plan for that. Um, and so that's not too hard to do, but most of the time it's like, this is what I feel like God's putting on my heart, uh, or that our people need. So you'll have a sense of long-term need or of discontent, or, uh, you'll have a sense of like God's profoundly grabs you with something and you want to do that. Um, so it's kind of gets there, but the other part of it too is I've always been thrilled to preach what somebody else gives me. Oh. Like, I always loved when Byron w- would write a series, and I would get this passage that I'd have to preach that I never would have picked for myself. But in the preaching, the study of it, I get to go uh, and learn something uh, totally new in that moment. And so that's, even that's thrilling. Just basically, I like teaching a lot. I really like <laughs> preaching. And if I get a chance to study the Bible in any context, I'm usually pretty excited to do that. That's really interesting. And I really like what you said. Um, and I think it's so important for people to hear this and I have a smile on my face because it's particular with like families. Mm-hmm. And, and as a high school pastor, you remember this. Mm-hmm. Something happens in culture. A parent's like, my kid needs to hear about this. Yeah. And I think you're totally right. For your kid to hear about this well or for a congregant to hear about this well, talk to me in two months. Yeah. Like I can't, I yeah. can't do it tonight. I can't on a Wednesday, something, I, I think about the Capitol insurrection on January yeah. 6th. That was a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I had staff saying, what are you going to do? What are you going to say about it? And it's just like, I'm watching the craziest thing I think I've seen on the news since like 9-11 happened. Yeah. Like, how do you expect me to have a formulated thought about this? You know, and yeah. that's, I think that's a really good word. Yeah. And uh, gosh, uh, there was a season, I think in 2019 and 2020, where there was something crazy in the headlines yes. every week. Yes. And the expectation became, Pastor Sean, you're going to give us five to 10 minutes of thoughts on this at the very start of your sermon. And you thought... And there was times where I would go to church not having looked at the newspaper that day, and people would say, are you going to address this in your yes. sermon? And I wouldn't even know what they're talking about, yes. right? Because yes. it's happened so fast. Right. Um, look, there's people who can give you great thoughts really quickly. I'm I'm fast. I'm just not that fast. Yeah. I can give you 10 minutes on some stuff, but largely, I just want a chance to think about it deeply right. so that right. we, we can think about all the relevant texts and also all of the ways that we are hardened 
to maybe hearing what the Bible says about it yeah. so that we can kind of get underneath that. I love that. I think, I think that's super important. I just think it's really, really crucial for us as pastors to recognize our weakness mm-hmm. and say like, to sometimes give you what you need, you need, we need to all have a moment of patience yeah. and that's hard, you know, but that's what podcasts are for. You just jump on Spotify, like right. Christian nationalism, biblical inerrancy, like, ah, I don't know what to think about these right. things. And right. you've, you've listened to it. And, Look, yeah. and, and, um, a personal weakness of mine is I can make very firm opinions very quickly. No. And I think I found over time that that's just not that helpful. Uh, I need to be more thoughtful. And yeah. so I have to resist my instincts to have hot takes on everything. Yeah. And we could do a whole podcast about Sean and Hunter's hot takes. And <laughs> yeah, we do. Have, I, I tend to have extreme opinions. On yeah. 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 Okay. So we're, we're, we're kind of where I want to be in this conversation and asking about, Teaching series. Yeah. So how far out do you generally schedule a teaching series? Yeah, usually I know what we're doing about six months out. Okay, so you know where Coastline's going to be in January 2022? I know what we're going to do until January, and when we hit January, I have some ideas of what I'd like to do. I Honestly, I think there's a pretty good chance that we, we may do the longest preaching series that I've ever done that would take us from uh, basically September probably until Easter, and that yeah. would be a series on Acts, yeah. which is written... Um, and it's it's ready to go. We could preach it right now if we had to. I think the internal debate at Coastline is, is 24 weeks on a sermon series too long? And I just don't know the answer because I've never done anything that long. Before. Well, let's talk about that. I think yeah. this is I think this is exactly why we're having this conversation. Like, yeah. not so I can say it's not too long and we yeah. should do 55 weeks in Acts. Um, I think Acts is my third favorite book of the Bible. Yeah. Um, but like, how do you make that call? Like, yeah. is this too long? And, and, and then how do you get like, 10 weeks into a series on Acts, and you haven't even gotten to, you know, Peter and Stephen's the eunuch, yeah, Stephen's still alive, <laughs> and someone's like, yeah. hey, I can't do this anymore. Like, yeah. I've checked out. So what, what's your word to a congregant yeah. who's like, look, I'm done. I can't do 20 more weeks in Acts. Well, in the early days of Canvas, when Garrick and I were doing ministry, we never did a sermon series longer than six or seven weeks. Is that Never. Is that something that you were told, or you just picked up from being in a community? Like That's what we thought people could tolerate, okay. was six or seven weeks. That was just our internal guide. Uh, and then we did one series with Byron where we linked up, and it was Nehemiah, and it was going to be 15 weeks. How many chapters is Nehemiah? I don't remember. We both have master's degrees, and we don't know how many. I have a 30-day Nehemiah devotional, and I yeah. can't imagine doing more than that. Yeah. So we we did like, it's like 12, 13, 14, 15, something like that. And that really stretched us. For Garrick and I, we thought, there's no way we can do it. And yet, once we started doing it, people loved it. Yeah. They loved it, yeah. and it really caught us off guard how people could tolerate longer, in-depth, expositional sermon series. So what is the ceiling on that? Like, I've learned that people can do 12 to 15 weeks. Right. Can they go 24 weeks? I don't know. And so part of it, I think, will be we'll get to January and then reevaluate. Yeah. But but for me, like, honestly, I want to get into the deeper chapters of Acts because everybody's heard a sermon on Acts 2. Mm-hmm. Everybody's heard that. You know, what they haven't heard is some of the later passages that are worthy. Like, let's do a sermon on the Jerusalem Council, yeah. like Acts 15. Most people haven't even heard that preached, but they should. Mm-hmm. And I want to get into the passages that people haven't heard. So I want to push deep enough into Acts that we get there. Okay, but what about the congregant who doesn't? Yeah, well, <laughs> what would I say to them? Well, let me just reflect on that really quick. I think most of our congregants make it to church about twice a month now. So I think they're naturally missing half of the series anyway. And then it's up to them to go online and go find the podcast, and I hope they do. I just don't know how many do. 
Um, if you are frustrated with the length of a series, I would encourage you to, yeah, people are going to hate this. And maybe this is just the preacher, but push in because mm-hmm. I, I generally, I genuinely believe that not only is the word of God living and active, um, but God wants to meet us in church and in his word all the time. He's always there for us. He's always wanting to give an interaction with us. And so I understand what it's like to think this is too long. Um, but I would also, you know, I, I'd say, I I think God still may want to stretch you into that a little bit. But uh, I mean, who was it? It was, I think, Rob Bell. His first sermon series at his church was a year in I know. Leviticus. Yeah. That feels crazy. And yet, yeah. that is all the word of God. And the challenge is to preach it well. But I always believe that God is in those passages, even the obscure ones. And for me, like, gosh, I've just heard so many sermons on Philippians 2 and James 1 and Galatians 5. Like, let's get into some of the passages that we don't explore, because God's in there. So if it's feeling long, I understand that. Um, What extra thing may God want to be pulling on? And and where is the resistance coming from? Are you just bored? Mm -hmm. Do you not like the topic? Well, why? Why isn't it grabbing you? Or why are you pushing back? Maybe there's some exploration to do even there about why you might want to check out, because sometimes that may be the thing that God wants to do, is, is to kind of push you into some uncomfortable areas. I, I, I think that you nailed it. I mean, there are surprising things, even in Acts, yeah. that you know we just skip over yeah. and that you haven't heard preached. And so push in, get surprised. That's good. And, and the Bible's not meant to be... Uh, an episode of, uh, or a, like Loki, where every week something fantastic and amazing happens. You know, it's not there to entertain you. It's yeah. meant to draw you into an encounter with God mm-hmm. and to sharpen your mind yeah. so you can grow your heart, so you can be transformed. That is what it's there for, mm-hmm. is to grow your affection for God and to change you more into his image, into the likeness of his son. And all of the scripture can do that. Every passage can. Even Leviticus. Even Leviticus, but I, I don't know. If, I think I've preached one passage in Leviticus in my life, which is like the scapegoat passage. Oh yeah, I've yeah, never yeah, done yeah. more, but but <laughs> Garrick probably wouldn't let me. But man, I'd love to. <laughs> Next year, coastline summer, Leviticus. <laughs> no, what I I mean, what I want to preach, like I've already written. I took uh, a weekend away to just do some time with the Lord uh, in January, and I wrote a ser- series on Galatians. I wrote a series on Esther, and I wrote a series out of Proverbs. And I don't know when they'll ever be preached. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to preach next. Yeah. That's what I'm most excited to do. Well, I mean, Thanksgiving 2024, when we're done with Acts, maybe you can, <laughs> maybe you can jump into Esther. Esther, oh, people, yeah, yeah. right. Esther's good. Um, so It'd be y- so good. You said you went on a weekend and you yeah. planned a couple. How long does it generally take for you to plan a sermon series then? like Not, not too long. Okay. Not too long. And I think that's uh, a gift that God's kind of given me. I mean, Garrett kind of... He says, like, I don't know how you do it, but it's just something that doesn't come too hard. Once we decide what we're going to preach, I can usually have a sermon series written out within a day and a half. And that's just you break down, here's the big thoughts in the passages, and then try to develop the themes out of it. God's given me an ability to to write sermons very quickly. It just kind of lines up with some of my gifts, so I can do that pretty quick. How much are you listening to other churches in that sense? So like I know when I do like a camp or something and I'm planning four talks, you know, in in sequence, I'll generally look in a commentary or look at another church and say, okay, how did you break this down? Or are you kind of trying to go laissez-faire, blank slate? Like I just want to see what I think about this. Almost never. 
except with this act series I did a lot with J.D. Greer right. uh, out at the Summit Church because I was figuring out, like, if it's 24 weeks, how do you do it? And so he was his sermon series on Acts, which is called Sent, was really informative for how I'm going to do this one. But most of the time, it's kind of my own convictions on how it is. Mm. But I will tell you, every time I preach a passage, um, I always, once I'm done, I check out and see what Piper did on it, and I see what Keller did on it. Uh. Uh, and that's partly because... I just want to hear how how those two pastors who I really respect have done it. And knowing that, they've been in ministry for so long, they've preached so many different passages that there's just, if you want to hear a sermon on this passage, well, Piper's probably done it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've been down that road. Um, And so when you set out a teaching series, you break it down, big idea, kind of by week. Mm -hmm. What what are your goals? Like, how do you you mark a successful teaching series? Yeah. Yeah. You know, Hunter, I would actually be open to your thoughts on this, too. I think, like, it'd be probably important to hear from you on this. Because I would tell you, when a sermon is done, nobody has less of a sense as to how it went than me. (laughs) I'm just in my own world up there. I am so deeply trying to listen to God and to focus on what he says that I have no sense of what's happening in the congregation. Right. People tell me God was moving. Did you hear? People say, did you hear all the amens? Did you hear all the... No, I don't hear any of it. Yeah. I don't hear any of it. I walk off stage and I think... I have discharged the mission that God has given me, um, which is to preach his word. How it goes, I have no sense of it. Uh, And so at the end of a series, most of the time, it is simply, well, that's done. Um, And I hear usually later about the fruit it's produced. Yeah. I I just don't know if I'm the best gauge of it. Is a sermon series success, you know, is it the fruit that comes from it? Is it, you know, like that's, I guess that's kind of what I'm just thinking out loud. Like. Is it, you know, if you do a series on money, mm-hmm. you, you, does I, giving increase the next week or are people more frugal? Yeah. Do you know, like a series on, I mean, I, to be very crass, like martyrdom, like yeah. are now, now people going out and yeah. trying to, you know, be yeah. suffering for their faith. Like, so that's the question that I have, like in an act series, would the success be, we're having a million missionaries come out of coastline would yeah. the success be we're a super charismatic church sure right like, you know well i think we would say the success of an act series would be uh people growing in a missional heart people learning to um that the gospel is more about uh about the mission of taking it to the nations than just about them mm-hmm. it would be um a greater sensitivity to the spirit but here's the thing how do you actually evaluate those exactly. things? Exactly. And you can't know those things week by week. You see those things months afterwards. What is the fruit? Essentially, with a sermon, you're always sowing seeds into mm-hmm. the ground, but with even with seeds, it takes time to see what really was going to develop. And you don't always see what's going to happen with the series, sometimes until like six months, a year. Yeah. I, I don't know. Long after the sermon is done, and knowing that long after the sermon's forgotten, hmm. right? Because I think if you ask the average congregant... Um, what a sermon was on three days ago, like on Wednesday, if you ask them what, what happened on Sunday, they rarely recall it. And in fact, I as a preacher sometimes don't remember what I preach. But it is the cumulative effect of exposure to the Word that begins to do subtle changes in our heart that God then begins to use even, I think, beyond our own consciousness, or beyond mm-hmm. our own thoughts about it. Um, he takes it and continues to mull it over and um, slowly grows us over time so that we can change. So was it successful? For me, what did we get it done? Yeah. <laughs> um, but ultimately, what was the fruit of it? Oftentimes, you have to you have to see it over time. 
Yeah, that's a really good word. And I think that as you're talking, I hear like there's a macro success and then there's yep. the micro success. Mm-hmm. And the micro success is the way that the sermon interacts with your story yeah. in the day to day. And the macro success is you as a pastor are guiding the sheep yeah. and you know where you want to take the sheep. Yeah. And is is this getting them there? Macro success. Yeah. But for congregant A, congregant B, like, hey, is this affecting your story where you're at right now, then that's also a success, I'd say. Yeah, totally. And most of the time for me, after a serv- sermon is done on Sunday, the only thing I can see is the technical aspects of what I did. Did I hit the time? Mm-hmm. Did I say, yeah. Did I get a laugh at the joke? Was able to be clear and concise? Did I lose my point? Um, was I able to communicate what I wanted to? That's the only thing I can see after the end of one sermon. So defining success usually is only very selfish. You really need time to see what God's going to do with it. Right. And I think we have a really unique opportunity in Coastline Mm -hmm. to be so fully family and to be smaller. Yeah. Um, We know most of our congregants. We do. If you are affected by a sermon, Mm -hmm. we will see it. Yeah, that's a great point, right? I hadn't really thought about that, Hunter, but you're right. We should be able to see the fruit of things sooner. Yeah. (laughs) This is being smaller. (laughs) Sooner. No. But it's like, okay, that's not me, though. Like, because there's no, there's like, you you know, a lot of times I sometimes just feel like I'm doing TED Talks. Like, here's something about something. But TED Talks don't change your life. They they make you think and they make you really like, oh, that was a cool counterintuitive fact that I learned today. Yeah. But they don't change your heart. Yeah. And so to watch someone's heart changed by a sermon, you know that wasn't you. Yeah. And I think that's true success. Yeah. And I, gosh, I would tell you, most of the time when someone tells me they really enjoyed a sermon, I hear about that months afterwards. Totally. Right? Like I did a sermon in the middle of COVID where I said, gosh, at the end of this season, I hope that we come out of it different. What a shame it would be if we went back right. and we were the same. And I ran into a pastor on the 4th of July who said, like, that phrase has been haunting me, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, oh, that's literally, that sermon is probably almost a year old right now. Yeah. But it it took that amount of time uh, for it to ultimately get back to me. So sometimes it's just, it's a long game of doing your ministry and trusting God to produce the fruit, because ultimately he's going to take the sermon and do his own thing with it. That's that's fascinating. And I, I just hope whoever's listening to this right now as a congregant sees how important it is to like interact with us, interact with the pastor, yeah. like to say, this is how it's challenging me. This is how it's working. Mm-hmm. So we can then go back and be like, okay, we need to change or we need to do something different or we need to keep going with this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's profound. And that's the beauty of a small church. Yeah. Like, I and, really, I really love that. Yeah. And also to know that for every time you, a pastor preaches, um, that they, uh, it is incredibly vulnerable because mm-hmm. you're up on stage, you're doing your best to connect, but also, they never know really how well they're doing. No. They never no. know. We never know how well we're doing. It's not like America's Got Talent where you get X'd, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, yeah. Eh, or eh, that I sold eh. X amount of widgets today and that meant I was successful. Yeah. It's like you, you, it's like art. You create something and then you kind of step away from it and you don't really know what it is. Yeah. Creating a teaching series is for sure, I'd say, art. Mm-hmm. You have to brand it. You have to decide how it's supposed to land with the people. Which that- you are phenomenally gifted. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. You're really good at that. Um, You are so much better at that than I am. That's why we're calling the Axe series Scent. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's good. Anyway, I don't know what we're calling the Axe series, but we are starting a brand new series. Yeah. The Foundation series, I feel like, to gauge the success of Foundation is people coming to Coastline because we have accurately... showed our vision yeah. for the church. Yeah. And 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 that's that's success. But we have a new teaching series coming yes. up, which is exciting. This is mm-hmm. literally the first one we're doing. Yeah. That's kind of like away from the yeah. 
the buoys of yeah. launch, yeah. right? Like this is new. This yeah. is what we're doing. So Sean, tell us a little about the series. How did you come up with it? What are you thinking? And what makes this series unique and cool yeah. and different and fun? Yeah. Well, one of the things I've thought about um, is just how much the pandemic season has changed things um, for for people that I've, I've know uh, and that I'm kind of close to. You know, I have friends who sold their house and just bought a Winnebago and they're just traveling right now. People who quit their jobs. And um, they just refuse to go back to the same old rat race. Uh, people who've moved out of the country. Um, people who have decided that that thing that they wanted to do one day is a thing that they now want to do today. Mm-hmm. Right? It just caused everybody to reevaluate their priorities and what's important and what they want their lives to really be about. And I think everybody's asking the question, what's important right now? Hmm. Uh, what, what really is important? I think things that they thought were important were, re- were revealed by the pandemic to be extremely superficial and things that they've been denying, like maybe their family or their marriage or um, their own mental health now suddenly become massively important and they're unwilling to compromise on those things anymore. anymore. So I think everyone's asking the question, what's important now? And at that, as we wrestle with that question, I wonder if there's something that Jesus has to say about that. What is important in in his eyes? What are, what's important in the way that he sees the world and that takes you back to a couple passages. One is uh, out of Luke, he tells a story where he's asked, what is the greatest commandment? Mm-hmm. And uh, he re- refers to the Shema, which is loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So that is the greatest thing in his eyes, to love God in that way. And so I thought this would be an interesting time as we prepare to head back into the fall, as people prepare to step back into school, as people come out of vacations and they begin to kind of re-enter really into work mode. What is important in God's eyes, and how can we dedicate ourselves to that uh, and allow that kind of change us? So the sermon series is The Greatest Thing, uh, and it's based out of both Deuteronomy 6, which is the Shema, and teachings that appear in three of the Gospels about Jesus saying, uh, it is loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So we're talking about a passage that pretty familiar to people who've grown up in church. Probably, What do yeah. you hope to surprise people with? Well... One of the things, I, we mentioned this early on, Hunter, before we actually jumped, I think, before we hit record on this thing. We tend to have a default way that we love God. Right. We love God um, from the basis of our emotions or through service or through worship or through study of the Word, and we live in these kind of corners, right, of mm-hmm. of the way that we interact with God, but we don't oftentimes venture outside of what we really enjoy. Right. We kind of live in those places that are deeply meaningful to us. But what I love about this passage, the Shema, is it it calls us to love God from places that we might even be uncomfortable with, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Look, if you're an engineer, I have no doubts that you connect with God with your mind. But what would it mean for you to deeply connect and love God with your heart? Yeah. You know, for the artist, it might be connecting with God with your heart is easy, but what does it mean to really connect with him from your strength? So I think there's all these different ways to think about it, and so I think faithfulness to God means learning to love God and to grow in Him in all these aspects of our life that are maybe underdeveloped. And success for this would be to see willing people willing to um, lean more into worship or to open up their Bibles more or to get out in the community and serve and beginning to love God in totality instead of just like, well, this is who I am. Love that. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's, a, that's something that I have, uh, I don't know, a 
chip on my shoulder about the self-help idea of like, well, this is who I am. Therefore, you know, I don't need to change. Yeah. Like I'm an INFJ, so I don't want to go up on stage and, or I am a creative, so I don't want to be analytical. I'm an Enneagram eight. I don't even want to get into that. <laughs> but I think, I think we, we, we should totally do one of these on the Enneagram. Yeah. That I, that's, I'm going to Hume. You can jump on and do that. <laughs> I'll teach you how to use the podcasting thing. Um, but I really like the idea of pushing people to love God in different ways. I, I didn't, I didn't think about that in the teaching series. I was thinking, Oh, this is a good, you know, it's broken up for us. We can do it. But yeah. like, that is a goal to push people from their comfortable modes of loving God into a new way. My goodness. Why wouldn't you want to be there every Sunday and hear that? And Jesus's command is that it's not optional. It is yeah. the most, the important, most thing. important thing. Yeah. The most important thing is that you love to, you learn to love God with the totality of yourself, with the way that you think, your heart, your actions, your self, your conception of yourself. It is the most important thing because ultimately if you do not love God, from the totality, you're going to end up only understanding really part of God. Mm -hmm. There's going to be parts of his character and his nature that you're not going to actually ever really know and experience. And there's going to be, as a result, blind spots in your own life and in your own following after him because there's just parts of him that you don't know. Yeah, I hear, I hear this sermon series as an invitation mm -hmm. um, to invite yourself to go outside of your comfort zone and yeah. to encounter God somewhere new. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's, yeah. I mean, that that's to me, a compelling teaching series, something yeah. I'm familiar with and Hey, we're taking it into a new direction. Yeah, and know? I'm willing to bet there's gonna be one or two of these sermons that you're going to be like, yes, this is me. And there's gonna be two of them. You think, well, that's not me at all. And those are probably the ones that you should be at the most. And you know, praise God, that is someone else's sermon. Yeah. And someone in our community really resonated with that one. And they're, yes. they're picking up that and you can... You yes, know. yes, yes, yes. I can't say that enough. Yes. I mean, that is the very nature of the body of Christ is that is created by diverse, is created with diverse people, with diverse gifts and diverse experiences so that to collectively, collectively we're the body of Christ. Which one are How you... How cool is that? It's great. It's great. It's so cool. That's, I mean, that's my whole thing. But which one are you um, feeling like will push you out of your comfort zone the most? Heart. <laughs> Yeah, period. Even heart story, and that's the one I'm preaching. That's yeah. the funny thing. Yeah. I think that's um, smart. it's easy for me to love God with my mind. Um, I work out a lot now, so you know, loving God with my strength is, is becoming easier. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will. But um, tis. Uh, but I think uh, I live in my head quite a bit. Yeah, uh, my heart's a little more disconnected from my daily experience. Uh, so. That is the area I need to grow in, and that's the one that I'm preaching. So that, yeah. that'd be fun. And uh, who else is preaching in this sermon series? Oh, you are? You're, oh, yeah, I am. You're doing soul? Soul. Which is so good. I've been thinking a lot about it. Um, I, think I think it's the hardest one. We're just going to show clips from the Pixar movie Soul. <laughs> I think it's the hardest one. Yeah. That movie is not good. Okay. Another time we have to end the podcast. Hot take. Really. It's, yeah, so, so, it's such a profound movie. Uh, you're going to be doing soul. Soul. Uh, let me see. Mind is being done by Andrew Ferris and Janine Hanger. This is, I think this is like pretty revolutionary. I am so excited for that. And I'm so excited to tell you guys more about that. We'll, we'll probably be telling you guys more about that in a later podcast. Yeah. I don't want to, we're too late into this one to be dropping like big, exciting news. But that, I mean, that's the oh, truth. Janine and Andrew are going to be doing one. And team teaching. They're team teaching. So cool. And we, yeah, I've made contact with them. Yeah. Andrew's now notoriously hard to get a hold of. Yeah. But uh, I made contact with them. And yeah, check your podcast feed in a couple of weeks for a nice long conversation about that sermon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Garrick's going to be doing uh, Strength. 
strength. Mm-hmm. That's the one that's left. So, yep. so it's going to be fun. And you're going to hear from people who mm-hmm. you, I mean, haven't heard from maybe in a long time or ever on yeah. stage, which, I mean, that's the coolest thing about Coastline. We can just, oh, we have really talented people in our midst. Let's yeah. get up there and have them. Preach. And Hunter, I know people know you as being the guy who's up front and who's funny, but I'm really excited for them to get to hear your preaching because it's incredible. Y- spoiler alert. It's incredible. Go on the internet, type in soul trailer on yeah. YouTube. That's my sermon. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. No, you got a, you have an incredible ability to tell a story through your preaching. I appreciate that. That I envy. You I'm do excited. it so naturally. I'm excited. I'm excited for this teaching series, and I bet we'll do another one of these about 11 times during the Acts series. Yeah, <laughs> just, right? Just to keep people on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and if you get bored, uh, that's okay, or let us know, and we'll, we'll go do that Esther series I really want to do. And then you'll get bored again. And Yeah, or no, right? Well, yeah, es- I mean, Esther is so Hey, good. man, this isn't Netflix. Yeah. Come on, we're going to study the Bible. God's present. Let's just go deep with him. But an Esther show on Netflix would be so good. Oh. It'd be yeah. better than a Ruth show. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Anyway, yeah. I don't know why that got such a weird reaction out of you, but... I think, I think Ruth's hard to preach. That's why. Ruth is hard to preach. There's some really weird things happening in the book yes, of Ruth. Yes, there are. That's why. I, yeah. I immediately started to filter myself about Ruth. Uh, Esther, I think, is a blast. I think Esther is meant to be told like a story. Ruth, well, yeah. harder. Ruth Ruth is difficult. I think. I mean, this is definitely an offline conversation, but the, the ending of Ruth, I think, really has justified it mm-hmm. with the genealogy. Yeah. At the end, has really justified it to be like a really important text to preach. But mm-hmm. I think without that genealogy probably the least preached book of the Bible. Yeah. If you told me you preach Esther, I'd be like, heck yeah. If you told me to preach Ruth, I'd be like, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. Yeah. But the genealogy, you can reverse engineer it. You know, this is a story of God using broken people to do his, Look his at will. You. Broken people, destitute people, a guy yeah. named Boaz. Look at you, man. I love Ruth. You're, you're I'm really good at Ruth this. is my Esther. <laughs> oh, okay. We've done Ruth a couple times at youth group and it was really good. Anyway. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Dude. Yeah. Well, you, you, you do Ruth as a movie. You say... You do Esther as a movie. Yeah, but with Ruth, it's four chapters. So yeah. it's, I remember I did it at a youth group a couple years ago, and you know we gave every group like the story arc mm-hmm. diagram, mm-hmm. and so we mm-hmm. wanted you to plot Ruth as a story and then cast Ruth. And so then weekly we'd say like, okay, who's Ruth this week? Okay, it's Beyonce. And then, you know, and then so you put up pictures of them on, and it, it's just funny. And then they track with it as a story. Yeah. So that, that, that's why it works. Have you heard of a singer named Olivia Rodrigo? No. Oh, you mean president Olivia yeah. Rodrigo? Yeah, I know. She's, she's the modern day Beyonce. What for the kids, terrible for the kids take. out there, uh, we're, we're hip and we're paying attention to pop culture. Hunter is taking off his glasses and is rubbing his face right now. As I, are my children. If they're listening, to I this. have no idea. There's like 11, insanely terrible things you said, and that maybe takes the take. (laughs) Anyway, Sean and I are going to argue about Beyonce now. Thank you for listening, and we are really excited for this teaching series. If you can't tell, uh, I'm really looking forward to it, and I just hope you feel pushed into loving God in a new way, because who doesn't want to do that? I mean, all of us, but we should all be there. Cool. All right, thanks, Sean. Thanks, Hunter.